0: There are some who call me Tim.
1: Welcome, Valley of the Sun and around the world, Tim Jacobs here. Thank you for joining me on Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, your one-hour Wab with God, your spiritual Zumba class. It is the thigh master for your soul. This is the show that demonstrates how a Christian worldview can transform every area of your life, which is why we call it Life 360. And we are live here on 1280 KXEG in Phoenix. So you're going to want to call 602-368-3776. You can also listen to us anywhere in the world by going to the station website, 1280kxeg.com, and downloading the app. You'll see it on the homepage right there on the right side. You can also go to the TuneIn Radio app and find 1280kxeg and stream it from there. And I want to announce to you that I have just launched a new Facebook page today. So you can go to Facebook and type in Life 360 with Tim Jacobs and like my page and um, it'll make me feel good inside because I'll go, wow, you know, you love me. Or at least you like me because there isn't a love button. There's only a like button. But I promise not to overpost and I promise not to post negative, crazy stuff. I just want you to stay in touch with me through Facebook and we can get to know each other even better. By the way, if you want to listen to any previous Shows, you need to go to uh Tim and you can that's my podcast page, and you can see all of those. And if you missed last week's show, you have to listen to that because I interviewed Mark Golly from christianitytoday.com about near death experiences and coming back from heaven, and it, it was really kind of some wild, crazy stuff. But the second part of the show as well, I interviewed pastor turned atheist Ryan Bell. And that was a fascinating conversation about his, quote unquote, deconversion. And if you heard that, just so you know, I, I wish I had the time to ask him so many more questions. We only had a ha- less than a half an hour. But one of the cool things about having a civil conversation where you don't yell at each other and you don't just try to do the ad hominem name calling kind of stuff is you can build relationships with people. And so that's what we kind of did. He's kind of like, man, that was pretty cool. You didn't go off on me. And I said, yeah, well, that was pretty cool. You, you know, you, were, you tried to answer the questions honestly. And so he was, he's going to come back on the show. In fact, we're hopefully going to outline even a series that we can do of just discussions or debates. But the whole idea is, you know, build a little bit of a friendship or an acquaintanceship and, and then we can throw down. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's going to be fun. But I want to get to my guest as fast as I can here, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about this because today I have the sincere privilege of welcoming to the show somebody who is one of the premier Christian apologists in the world Now, if you don't know what an apologist is, it is someone who explains things, who clarifies, who makes a case, and who defends. And that's what Greg Kokel, founder of StandToReason.org, has been doing for a number of years. He is an author, a thinker, a debater, and he has devoted his life to making Christianity clear and compelling, which is why... You can call 602-368-3776 if you have a question for Greg. But Greg, welcome to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs.
0: Hey Tim, I'm looking forward to our chat together and I wonder, did you say I was an author and a thinker or an author and a stinker? I didn't catch that quite.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll just you'll just have to go to the podcast page later on <laughs> check and, out, right, yeah. and check that out. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, good, you know, good to be with you, Tim. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and I have to be honest with you, I'm a huge fan. In fact, I almost... Just talking to you, almost kind of do like the Wayne's World, you know, I'm not worthy kind of thing. (laughs) And and it's only because, I don't know if you remember me, but about 13 years or so ago, shortly after 9-11, you did a debate at Cal State University Northridge. Yeah, that's
0: right. It was uh, within a week of 9-11 at CSUN, right.
1: Yes. And the the subject was, does objective moral truth exist? Right. Mm-hmm. And I was the one that actually organized that debate.
0: Oh, Tim, thank you so much. It was a wonderful event, and I was up against Professor Magliocco there, and, mm-hmm. and I had the advantage of having this big event just five or six days before 9-11, which get, brought the whole moral question up in spades for everybody. And so for her to argue there's no objective morality really put her in an awkward position in light of the events of the previous week. But thanks for putting your time in for that, Tim.
1: Oh, absolutely. I it was one of the great moments of, of, of my Christian journey because uh-huh. it was it was it was something that was done on the university campus. Right. There was some six hundred people and I remember you stood up and you held the front page of the newspaper that right. showed the planes flying into the buildings uh-huh. and you said you asked her, is what these terrorists did was it wrong? Mm-hmm. And she was not able to come up with a, a cogent answer for that, a clear answer for that. But I also appreciate, Greg Kokel, how there were times when it was just clear you had her. She just was not used to having someone of your caliber and being on that same playing field. Oftentimes professors are just they're there and they have this captive audience and they know right. more than everybody in the room. And there were so many times where you could have just gone in for the kill, and your Christian testimony was preserved by how graciously you treated her, even explaining, articulating for her her own position she was unable to articulate.
0: Well, thanks, Tim. You were very alert that night.
1: Well, it was an amazing debate. It really was. And I think for a long time it was available on your website, str.org. I want everyone to make sure they go there because you guys have all kinds of resources available to help Christians um, make sense of their faith and help others make sense of the Christian faith. And what you've really done well over the years, as I've followed your ministry, is you've made a great contribution to Christian thought and an engagement with the with the in the public square by not just giving Christians the right answers, but teaching them how to ask the right questions.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, that's been a big uh, a big uh, goal of us, of ours at Stand to Reason that we we don't uh the way i often put it is we don't want to just tell you what to think we want to teach you how to think and how to engage and and how to maneuver in a tactically sound way And we found that using questions is the number one most effective way in in regular parlance and interacting with people. In a debate, you can't do it quite the same way because Mm -hmm. you have the floor for a period of time. Mm -hmm. But if you can use questions in your conversation to draw people out, to gather information from them, uh, to reverse the burden of proof uh, when it's appropriate, if they're making the claim and they're saying there is no God or the Bible's been changed or everything's relative or whatever... It is appropriate to ask them to give some reasons or rationale why they think that's so. And this could be done in a a generous fashion. Uh, There's no doesn't have to be any lines drawn in the sand. You don't have to be defending turf. You're not mad at each other. You're just gathering that information. Uh, I call it the Columbo tactic because Mm -hmm. the Lieutenant Columbo, you know, Mm -hmm. this this relaxed, uh, harmless-looking person that solved the crime by asking just the right questions— but not looking like he was out to get you kind of thing. And so I think that style has been uh, really, really effective to um, uh, to accomplish uh, productive and fruitful conversations with people who don't share our views.
1: Well, well and well, I want to well. get into that because so often I think Christians they think first of all when they approach anyone who is a non-believer or a skeptic they think first of all that they've got to have the right answer for everything and it's almost comes out of a maybe a generational thing where you know a lot of us were raised in the four spiritual laws and so the way that you quote-unquote convert somebody is you go up to them unannounced don't really ask them anything but just say hi my name is so-and-so do you know where you're going to die that's the question but then or you do you know where you go you're gonna go when you die but that's the question but it really leads off to i'm I'm going to just tell you a whole bunch of things, and I'm not really going to even really engage what your thinking is. Right. I'm just going to throw a bunch of things out there, mm-hmm. and I think we're, we're just not used to—I think this whole idea of asking questions is foreign to Christians who think, I've got to have the right answer, and I've got to know what to say to somebody, rather than can I get inside their head and, and yeah. let, draw them out a little bit.
0: Well, what's ironic about that uh, observation, Tim, is that um, Jesus asks questions all the time. Mm. I mean you could say that Jesus used the Colombo tactic though he didn't call it that but he was always asking questions and he was asking questions to get people to think sometimes even to incriminate themselves and um and he didn't always give the good news you know sometimes he kind of gave the bad news sometimes he just frustrated their thinking and 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 he didn't lay the whole thing out um he, the four spiritual yeah. laws, which I think God has used powerfully over the years, were actually put together in the 50s. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, half a century later, times have changed, and mm-hmm. I think people don't understand that language anymore, for one, and they, they are inclined now, not then, to view it kind of as a, a religious power trip, right. and therefore they're pushing back. And so kind of coming in, um, in a what to them would be a less offensive way a more genial fashion, a more diplomatic fashion, drawing them out, asking questions, listening more than we're talking, that turns out to be a much more effective approach, especially. In kind of a quasi postmodern era.
1: Now you've written an entire book about how to do this, and this right. is—it's called Tactics—and I love that because there are so many guys out there who are Christian apologists, and they're—they're—they're they, they're, they're incredibly brilliant, and they've studied this all their lives, but they don't know how to really help the average person have a successful conversation with someone who isn't a believer or who is a skeptic. And so the the problem is you've got to get into all this theory and all of this. You have to go so far, whereas your book, really just helps people in a very conversational way and what really makes hopefully a win-win conversation mm-hmm. because it's not confrontational. So but the question I want to ask you is your this whole Colombo tactic and of course there's a lot of people that maybe have never even heard of mm-hmm. Colombo, but the idea of asking questions in a very innocent or non-confrontational way at first is this something that only really intelligent people can do, or is this something that the everyday person that is, is, engages people at a, at a plant or in a restaurant, or, how, how does this yeah, work? Yeah, well,
0: no, it's a great question, Tim, and, and the answer is it's especially good for those who aren't really schooled in all the other things. You mentioned the apologetics teachers that give all this information, but then they don't give us a bridge from the content to the conversation. Uh, The information is really important. I call that kind of our strategic superiority. We got great answers uh, to the toughest questions. But how do you tactically maneuver with that? That's 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 the bridge that's been missing, and that's what I think the tactics book provides. But when you think about it, how much do you need to know to ask some basic questions. Well, you don't need to know a lot, which is probably why you're asking the questions in the first place. Right. And uh, the Columbo tactic, as I characterize it in the tactics book, which by the way, the subtitle is A Game Plan for Discussing Your Christian Convictions. Mm-hmm. The game plan is really the three different uses of Colombo, and the first use is to gather information, and the second use is to reverse the burden of proof. And um I give model questions for each of the first two uses. So the point is that if you know nothing at all, you can use the first two steps with the model questions provided. The first question is just what do you mean by that or some variation. Yes. And the the point is you're you're drawing somebody out to get clarification on the point they're making or the view that they hold or Gee, that's kind of an admission of ignorance, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. like saying, hey, I, I, I'm a newbie here in this conversation. I don't know a lot. I don't have a lot of education. Um, gee, you tell me what you're all about. Right. So it's a perfect question for, for beginners and experts alike because it begins to give you the information about that individual and that person's ideas that you're going to have to have before you can go any further.
1: Absolutely, and um, to to follow up with that, um, well, what I wanted to do actually is is because I want to make sure we have enough time to do this is. Is go through some of these statements that that people ask, and have you like what would you do mm-hmm. if if somebody said these things to you? Because these are the common objections that Christians often hear, not in the classroom, but in the in the, in a just hanging out somewhere sure, with with friends on the street on the on street. The, on the street. Sure. So so for example. Um, if I, so if we just do this as a, if I, if I were to come to you and say, you know... Is just going to role-play this? Yeah, why not?
0: You're the the non-believer, sure, got it.
1: Okay. It's wrong for you Christians to force your views on other people.
0: Well, Tim, how am I, how am I forcing my view on you right now?
1: Okay, so what did you do there?
0: I, I just, I asked a question to get information from you because what you said to me was unclear. You, you claimed that I'm forcing my view. Now... I don't, I don't think that's – there's something going on here that bothers you, but I'm not clear on what it is. What you've done is you've characterized it in this role play in a very negative way called forcing your view. So I'm just – I want clarification. What I just offered was a version of the very first question, that being, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Specifically here, Tim, how am I forcing my view on you? And probably, this is commonly the response is, well, you, you think you're right and I'm wrong, Yes. to which I'd say, well, I do think I'm right. I mean, I could be wrong, but I do think I'm right. But let me ask you a question, Tim. Your view, do you think your view is right and my view is wrong?
1: You see and and the thing I knew what is you're
0: gonna say, you know, of course you believe.
1: <laughs> right, right. And and here's what I've found. Most skeptics or non believers or people who've engaged Christians this way, when you say that back to them, they've never thought it through that absolutely. far.
0: That's absolutely true. You see Everybody has a stake in this conversation. Everybody has a point of view. Everybody thinks they're right. This is why they're conversing and holding the views that they do. And uh, But only one side is being faulted for it.
2: Mm-hmm. The Christian
0: is being faulted mm-hmm. in a negative way. You're pushing, you're forcing your views on me. I'm i'm and I'm forcing anything, really. I'm, I'm, this is a persuasive enterprise. I'm suggesting why I think somebody else's view is wrong, and I'm willing to give the reasons. But it's characterized as forcing because I think I'm right. Okay, If you, it, in, this, is, this is the behind the scenes chatter I'm offering right now. Right. What's going on in my head? Okay, you think that uh, I'm forcing my view because I think I'm right, but you think you're right, so you must be trying to force your view on me. Now, that would be an inelegant way of 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 stating it, I could just say that to them. But isn't it much easier since I know the problem here to ask a question and drop the ball in their court? And I noticed there was a beat after I after I asked the question to you, Tim, in the role play. I, I said, oh, um, uh, "Let's see, how am I forcing my view on you right now?" And there was that beat of silence. Yep. Like, uh, now what? They, yep. They have never been asked that question before. And the only thing, if given a few moments, that they can come up with is saying, well, you you think your view is right for me. Mm-hmm. You're, that's what I mean. Force it. you think you're right and I'm wrong, and you want me to change my mind It's something of that order. But, of course, that's precisely their position regarding me, and I'm not offended by it. I expect that from people who differ from me, uh, from me on, on these kinds of issues. I just want him to get off of the... Um, you know, attacking me because I'm intolerant and think I'm right, kind of line, and get back onto a conversation that's fruitful about the issues themselves.
1: Yes, and uh, understand to, to 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 our listeners right now, we have not we have not talked anything yet about actual Christian doctrine or beliefs right. or anything. We've only simply. But challenge the person's thinking who originally asked the question.
0: Yeah, Tim, think of it like a—if you pardon the metaphor—it's like a sword fight.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: and they have thrust a sword at us with that challenge. And if we don't if we don't parry that, we're going to get stuck and we're right. going to bleed all over in front of that person and whoever else is listening. Uh, but if if we have in our mind, if we see what's going on, and we can use a question that parries the blow, it doesn't strike a blow at them. Mm-hmm. It simply parries their blow at us. It, it, just, it, it deflects it. Okay, and so now what are they going to do? And uh, that's why I like the question. It, yep. it doesn't just parry it. It tosses the ball back in their court, and now they've got to respond with some kind of uh, answer to the question I've just asked.
1: We're talking with Greg Kokel, founder of Stand to Reason, str.org, author of numerous books, uh, speaker, debater, and um, Greg, you also have a radio program as well that right. is at uh, it is at 4 o'clock Pacific time.
0: Yeah, 4 to 7. This, this is actually our conversation. is my warm-up here for the show because about 15 minutes after we're done, I climb on the air for three hours with my own audience.
1: So, and, by the, and by the way, if people want to listen to that, how do they listen to that?
0: Well, you can get the podcast for free. Uh, STR.org dot org is where you can sign up or download, or or you can go to you, uh, to uh, iTunes and uh, and get it there. Understand the reason that those those are the two ways. You can also listen to it live by streaming while the show is on. You can go to our website for that. And we're in one hundred twenty five markets around the country in regular radio, but that's on Sunday, so you won't be getting the show live. If you want to, if you want to okay. call in you have to call in during our live show which is Tuesdays from 4 until 7 um Los Angeles time so right. west
1: coast time right at this well that's and that's amazing i am in one market right now phoenix mm-hmm. and uh, but i'm having a blast we've been on the air since november <laughs> and um a- absolutely excited about having you on the show now wait
0: you've just been on the air since november like 3 months yes Wow, you're doing really great. I mean, I'm listening to you, and I get interviewed by, interviewed by a lot of people, and I don't want to be, be blowing sunshine up your skirt here or anything, but I think you're doing a really good job. Well, thank
1: you. I appreciate that, and good hopefully hopefully, our listeners feel the same way. But uh-huh. it, it, it's, an abs- it's, a, it's an amazing medium because we can – get thought out there to, right. to so many people. And your voice is so incredibly important on this because as we're talking about thinking, the, the challenging thing is, it's I, I look at it like this, Christians... It's like we're sitting on a raft out in the middle of the ocean, and it's like in that scene from, from Unbroken, when when you're, you're sitting out there, and there can be attacks from every side. You have the the evolutionist, you have the atheist, you have the people from other religions, you have the disenfranchised Christians, so everybody's got a question from a different angle, and so people think to themselves, this is going to be really hard for me to ever truly defend my faith, because I'd have to learn so many different disciplines, science, Philosophy, biology, religion, whatever. But what you're what you're uh, advocating here, and what you've been training people in, is not the the necessarily the arguments themselves. They are there, but it's the tactics to help sharpen people's thinking. So let's let me let me throw another one at you.
0: Well, let me qualify what you just said, though. Uh, I think those the, the learning is really important. But yes, there is a place for the beginner. Yes, and the place. And if you follow the tactical game plan, then the the beginner, in a sense, can get into play. And I I say, I don't want people to worry about swinging for the fences. You don't even have to get on base, as far as I'm concerned. I just want you to get up to bat. And once you get in the batter's box, then you'll be amazed at what the Holy Spirit will do, even with a beginner. And that's where these questions, especially the first two questions, come into play. The second question, by the way, is now, how did you come to that conclusion? That is, what are your reasons for your view? Okay, you had another uh, example, though.
1: Yes, I do. So the next one is, Christians are narrow-minded and judgmental.
0: Well, a lot of Christians are, so... <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Okay, so let me explain what I just did. So okay. I did ask a question, so as a question, Mark. So I want you to... What I'm asking you to tell me, Tim, is, is what significance is there regarding the truth of Christianity that there are Christians who are fakers or unpleasant people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a change of subject from the issue to the, from the belief to the believer. It's the simplest way of looking at it. Whenever you have somebody who changes the subject from the belief to the believer, then you know they've gotten off the track. It's a red herring. It's something to distract you from what's mm, going on. That's yes. why I say, so, okay, Tim... Yeah, uh, to follow the role play here. Yeah, there are a lot of Christians that are fakers and unpleasant people. I I agree. I know some of them. Okay, so therefore, what? Tell me, Tim. What follows from that regarding our conversation about Jesus? And now, therefore, what Jesus isn't the Messiah? Uh, is that what you want to argue? You know, do you see how I'm now? I'm playing it out a little bit. Yes. And and this so question. This is a, a two letter word that's really really powerful. It's a little giant because it can be applied to a lot of other things, if you see the problem with the question. The problem with the challenge is they've changed the subject. We mm-hmm. were talking about Jesus, about Christ, now we're talking about the Christian. Well, Christians may be nasty, they may be bad, they may be fakers, They may be all kinds of problems, but that's not what we're talking about. That- we're not. We're not talking about sociology or psychology, we're talking about the person of Jesus of Nazareth in history, who was he? What did he do? And should we believe him? That's what we're talking. Why did you change? Sometimes they'll say, that, "Yeah, I understand. Yes, they are. So, why mm-hmm. did you change this? Why did you change the subject?" Mm-hmm. Another question. Now, the ball's in your court. It's not a rhetorical question, Tim. I want to know. And they're going to say, "What do you mean, mm-hmm. change the subject?" I said, "Well, first we were talking about Je- Jesus, right? Yeah. Now we're talking about Christians, right?" So do you want to talk about Jesus, or do you want to talk about Christians? you <laughs> want to talk about Christians? Oh, man, I'm with you. There's, i got a lot of complaints myself. Oh, i got some stories, man. Okay, but I don't think we want to talk about Christians right now. I thought we wanted to talk about Jesus. Yes. Like, okay, well then let's get back on Jesus. Is that, is that okay with you?
1: So that's interesting, because what I thought you were going to say when I said Christians are narrow-minded and judgmental, I thought you were going to say, isn't that a judgmental statement?
0: Well, that would be another way of going. That would, that would be another way of going. That, and that would be employing what uh, what I call the suicide tactic, Okay. where where you show that the person's point of view or response to, abuse, to you somehow beats itself up. Mm-hmm. And so when, you know, it's wrong to judge, well, then why are you judging me right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 well, if you think it's wrong, you shouldn't do it. Why are you doing it now?
1: And what I've found, too, because, again... Uh, The vast majority of people who engage Christians with these kinds of questions have not been met with an adequate response, and so they usually shut the Christian down. But when someone like you comes along or someone who's read Tactics and has thought about the Columbo tactic and tried to 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 respond with it what I have found is very quickly the conversation can become emotional because this person is realizing that the proverbial emperor has no clothes and everything that they built their life on which was very very thin all of a sudden looks very shaky to them have you found that as well have you found all of a sudden the ar- the, the discussion moves from a from from let's have a discussion quote-unquote about philosophy or religion because I know more than you to all of a sudden now I'm angry at you because you've challenged me.
0: Well, it does sometimes, Tim. It doesn't always. It, it depends kind of on the individual. What what I am attempting to do is to construct an environment where nobody's going to get mad. Right. I mean, my, here's my rule: if I get mad, I lose. Mm-hmm. Okay. If they get mad and I don't get mad, but they get mad, I lose. Uh, meaning that we're not going to have any effective persuasion that's going to be accomplished in an atmosphere where both people or one or the other are angry. Okay. Now, sometimes I can't affect, I can't control whether the other person gets mad. Sometimes it's the message that makes them mad uh, and not the messenger. Lots of times it's us, the messenger. So we want to yes. be careful there, right? Yes. So, um, so because I'm conscious about trying to maintain uh, a genial friendly um, atmosphere. So it looks more like diplomacy than D-Day. Okay, get that picture in your That's mind. That's good. That's good. Um, then then uh, I, I don't run into that problem as frequently as people who are more bellicose or pugnacious, they want to fight. Right, uh, Christians, I'm talking about, yep. want to fight. But sometimes it does happen. Uh, sometimes you're... you're, you're you're going to get a brush off, or you're going to get some other nonsense, or they're going to change the subject and uh, mm-hmm. move on to another kind of objection. And there's a dialogue in the book early on, um, where I, I, towards the end of the Colombo section of the book, where I talk about a a waitress in Seattle that I talked with and how she kept jumping. She kept making these statements, and and then I'd ask a question, and she fumbled about, and then she'd make another claim, and I'd ask a question, and and pretty soon she got all frustrated, you know. But it was because she wasn't able to to account for her own views when they were challenged. Your insight, I think, is accurate. Most of these people talk to themselves. They don't talk to other Christians, especially Christians who know anything. And so they, they never get challenged. And they are not used to responding thoughtfully. And uh, this puts us at a great advantage if we have the right questions and circumstances like
1: that. Well, it does. And I think that for for our listeners, what would really be a great experiment is is the next time that you do, whether it's in a classroom or on the job or on the street, whatever— is to is to say how how long can I navigate this conversation purely by asking questions and see how long can I go before I even need to make a definitive statement because I so often get accused of shoving my truth in other people's throats and I have done that in the past because I've I've read I read um, relativism that you that you wrote with Francis Beckwith mm-hmm. and I've listened to to other uh, of your um, of the messages that you've given on this and presentations about this and and I I've, I've tried that I said how long can I go with, without making a definitive statement just to get this person to where they can really be confused about where they're at? Not mm-hmm. not for the purpose of confusing them, but for the purpose of getting to the truth. Because as you said, oftentimes people draw out the truth themselves and they don't realize mm-hmm. that they, that, that you know, that, they're, that what they believe, even though it's flawed, they've made your point for you.
0: Yes. Well, Tim, I think that's a great exercise, and a lot of times I'll encourage people who are just getting warmed up on this. Try the first two questions out. Uh, what and the first two questions
1: that? are, What? what yeah, what,
0: repeat What do you the f- mean by that? Mm-hmm. that that's just uh, gathering information. And then how did you come to that conclusion? So when they make a claim... Then you put the burden of proof back on them in a very gentle way. What are your reasons for that? And then see what they have to say. And I think you're right, Tim. I think that that your people can go out and just say, for the next month, I'm not going to preach at all. I am just going to ask questions to understand well what the other people believe, get clear on it, and the reasons for it. And I think they're going to find out, first, this is a lot easier than they thought. Secondly, the other folks are not as smart as they thought they were. And therefore, there's not as frightening because most people on both sides of the aisle, frankly, have not thought through their own convictions. And so when you ask those questions, it forces them to think and maybe plants a seed of doubt in their mind.
1: We are talking with Greg Kokel, founder of Stand to Reason, S-T-R dot org. I I want to encourage you to go there. Um, subscribe to their newsletter. Look at their calendar. See their upcoming events, and um, and listen to to Greg's show that he has uh, every Tuesday. You can listen to the podcast as well because you're going to learn a lot. In the few remaining moments that we have, I want to ask you as as we look at the culture today, mm-hmm. what are the things that um, that you feel are are the the big issues right now in, that Christianity is facing in terms of challenges that it's getting from the culture?
0: Well, the number one issue right now is homosexuality. Okay. There's absolutely no question. And the issue, the, the problem there isn't uh, how do we answer it so much as being able to resist the cultural pressure to cave in on this issue. And it is coming from everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, a couple of months ago, Brendan Eich, founder of Mozilla, lost his job. He was a CEO. He got canned because he didn't have the right point of view on this. Yep. Uh, two weeks ago, the fire chief of Atlanta, for goodness sake, got fired mm-hmm. because he did not have the right point of view on this. Mm-hmm. And just last week, the, the California Supreme Court decided that if you, if you are associated with the Boy Scouts... You cannot be a judge in this state. You cannot sit on the bench because the Boy Scouts practice invidious discrimination. Boy, what's wrong with the Boy Scouts? I mean, what what more stellar a group can you find? Well, of course, they have this view about homosexuals in their leadership. That's not a morally straight life. By the way, what other organizations in the state of California have the same view about? homosexuality as uh, as the Boy Scouts. Well, pretty much every conservative church, mm-hmm. which begins to look like the state's next move is to say, if you belong to a conservative church on this issue, then you can't be a judge in our state either. Yes. And that's what's coming. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole movement now to persuade people inside the church. It's called the Reformation Project. Mm-hmm. Inside the church, that homosexuality is just fine, and the number of churches that are moving forward becoming what they call gay-affirming churches, is, is, uh, is skyrocketing. It's a terrible thing in the body of Christ, but that is one issue that has teeth to it, because people are going to lose their jobs, people are going to get sued... Uh you know, it's got legal teeth to it that's going to really hurt Christians. So that is the number one issue. A lot of the standard atheist challenges and the authority of the Bible and the person of Jesus and his life, uh, these are all on the table. Everything yeah. is on the table but, now, but that one has
1: teeth in no, it. No, you're right. You're right. Now, you have a resource that I i got. It was It's a laminated card. That, that has really all of the arguments of, about same-sex marriage and why right. we as Christians just really can't ever say that's a good thing. And, what, and I ordered that, and what I loved about it was all of the arguments that even get—again, talking about questions to ask, mm-hmm. simple, logical things, not— not uh, trying to to purposely offend anyone, but just simply challenging the thinking of how we got here in the first place. Because really, it's faulty thinking, Greg Kokel. That it's it's the inability to think. I've have t- spoken with women, at, and in uh, I've gone to like different women's Bible study groups, and I've said I said, ladies, what I don't understand is is you guys have you guys have done a magnificent job in terms of claiming women's rights in in the political sphere, in the entertainment sphere, um, in athletics, in media. All over the place. And in five short years or however long it's taken, but when this issue has really come to the forefront, you've basically affirmed yourself. You've basically taken yourself out of the family. You now say, the overwhelming majority of you believe that a family can be a family, a complete and whole family without you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. It, it's a, contrary to common sense, and when you see, see the news stories coming out, Tim, you cannot make this stuff up. No. You cannot parody it, because you parody, parody it one day, and then that parody becomes a reality uh, the next day. By the way, that laminated thing on same-sex marriage, they're all secular arguments, just for just for your information. That is, I never—I uh, do cite Jesus at one point, but not as a religious authority. All of the arguments are the kind of arguments you can make without making any reference to the Bible whatsoever.
1: Yes, and, and that is available at your website, str.org. Right. And I just—I so am such a strong advocate for that because it, it's so simple, and people—I think what happened was we, Christians, by and large, just, just got— sideswiped by this this issue how fast it came into the culture and the last thing we want to do is be quote unquote mean uh, you know Greg you have a radio show coming up I certainly want to respect your time and I want to thank you so much um, and hopefully I don't know I mean we we're, we are six months in Arizona we're six months on Mountain Standard well, we're always on Mountain Standard time but that means six months we are aligned with California and six months we're one hour ahead but mm-hmm. in the uh, six months where we are one hour ahead will you be willing to uh, used Life 360 with Tim Jacobs as your you know, warm-up again? I was
0: going to say, let's do this again, because I had a great time. And uh, I, I'm sure, be glad to do that in the future, you know, when the time zones match up, when we're not head-to-head on the air and uh, in our live broadcast, and um, and I'm glad for what you're doing there in Phoenix.
1: Well, it's been an absolute privilege. Thank you so much. Greg Kokel, str.org, founder of Stand to Reason. And uh, Greg, thanks so much for joining me. Have a great show later on. God bless.
0: Thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun for me, Tim.
1: Great. Now, we are going to take a very short break, but we will be right back and continue with Life 360 with Tim Jacobs. I am Tim Jacobs. I want to talk for a moment to my listeners in Phoenix. You know, if you're like me, you're trying to stay active, you're trying to stay strong, you want to beat back the hands of time, and as Rod Stewart once said, stay forever young. But in the process of doing all that, you're going to bang yourself up a little bit. You know, you're going to fall off your mountain bike, you know, throw too much weight over your head. Hey, you may even pull a muscle reaching for the nachos at the Super Bowl party. But that's why you need to talk to my friends at Cairo Fit. A ChiroFit is a full-service chiropractic physical therapy massage center, and they have locations around the valley. They have one in Buckeye, one in Tempe, Peoria, and they are opening up one very soon in Goodyear. So you want to give them a call at 623 773 2000. That's 623 773 2000. And go in there and get fixed up because we can talk all day about how to deal with your spiritual health, but you got to take care of your physical health too as you're out there loving life, loving the body God gave you. Work hard, and it'll get beat up once in a while. But the folks over at CairoFit can help you fix it. So give them a call. Again, 623-773-2000. And it is 37 minutes after the hour. You are listening to Life 360 with Tim Jacobs on 1280 KXEG. We are live. You can call us. Call me about anything. 602 602- Three six eight three seven seven six. I want to remind you to go like the Facebook page. I just created it today, and it looks good. It's got my face on it, but it still looks good. Which, speaking of that, did you know? Oh, by the way, it, the Facebook page is Life. Just go Facebook Life Three Hundred and Sixty with Tim Jacobs. So go there, like my page, and it's gonna be great. But did you know you can also go to 1280kxeg.com and you can actually watch this which is for it's this is radio it's not television I get it but for an entertainment value if you want to see a guy who just swings his arms like a like a chimpanzee for an hour and just doesn't seem to get tired You just you need to watch me because I look kind of ridiculous. But that's because this is radio, not television. And they do. But they do have a camera. So if you're interested in what this beautiful studio looks like, I think you can even see my car out in the parking lot through the window. It's kind of bizarre. So that conversation, if you missed it with Greg Kokel, you've got to go to the podcast when we upload this later on. You've got to hear that conversation. This man, uh, he has done so much good for the thinking of Christians. Christians can get so intimidated because of the arguments out there in the academic world, and we feel like we have everything stacked against us. The truth of the matter is most of the arguments against Christianity have gone largely unchallenged. And all you have to do, as Greg said, was flip the burden of proof. What do you mean? What are you trying to say? Uh, How did you end up with that thought? Um, The great question was, so? Christians are judgmental. So? Does that mean we're wrong? You know, stuff like that. 602-368-3776. If you had a question for uh, Greg obviously he's gone but you can ask me about anything there's so much more again I wanted to ask him but I want to shift gears actually I want to get something else first the show is is growing um, the interest in the show is growing my podcast page is blowing up it's people are, are downloading they're playing the podcast it's been awesome Maybe you are out there and you're saying, I believe in what this show is doing and the kind of guests that we're having and the message that we're getting out to, to the community and not only to to the city of Phoenix, but around the world. If you'd like to partner with us, if you'd like to be a partner to to support this show financially and help us grow and help us be able to reach even more people, I would love to speak with you. Please call anytime 602-368-3776 or send me an email Go to my Facebook page, send me a private message, or just send me an email at Tim at CompassChurchAZ.com. That's Tim at C-O-M-P-A-S-S, Church, aZcom And let's talk about how you can be a partner with this show that is growing and reaching people. And we have had some amazing guests, and I'm telling you, this is so much fun. Now, we just spent the last half hour talking about Intelligent, um, courteous, and yet and yet solid ways and effective ways of helping people who don't understand Christianity understand a little bit more and actually engage people intelligently. What I want to do now is swing the pendulum the exact opposite way and talk to you for a moment about how to really fail at representing Christ and to really embarrass Christians all around you. So last Saturday night, my son and I, we got tickets to the NFL experience because the Super Bowl was here. And it was awesome to have it here in Phoenix. So last Saturday, I take my son and we got there about seven o'clock at night. And we go to the, get to the NFL experience. And it was kind of fun because I got, if you hadn't been, it's great. They have this obstacle course that you can, you know, you, you, do like the things they do at the combine. And and like, I raced my son and he beat me by a second, which really got under my skin, but I justified it because I came there wearing Doc Martens. And so I was wearing like, you know, several pounds on my feet. So I don't think I ran as fast because of that. And I was holding his phone because he wanted to lose, you know, get rid of everything that he had so he could run as fast as he could, but he beat me by a second and it really bothered me, especially because he turned 14 years old yesterday and he's growing and growing and growing. And parents, you know how that is. It's just kind of freaking me out. So I have to stay strong so I can always, you know, beat him and put him down, but not beat him as in beat him, but you know what I mean? Win at stuff. So we're at the NFL experience and we're walking toward the convention center. And I hear this big, all this noise, this uh, big sound of talking and whatever, and I'm like, what is going on? Do they have some kind of outdoor festival or whatever? As we get closer to my shock and my horror, I realize that there are a group of people right outside where this whole NFL experience is happening on the outside, and they've got signs, big signs, saying things like, repent, and the end is near, and you must turn to Jesus and and there's there's and it's a small group of them and i feel silly even giving them any kind of real notoriety or or attention but it's the nfl experience this is a big deal the super bowl only comes to town you know once every however many years who knows when we're going to get it again and this whole celebration, people from all over the, the, the world are coming to Phoenix to enjoy the Super Bowl. And what do they get met with when they come to the NFL experience? Crazy, angry, loony Christians making all kinds of noise. I'm not kidding you guys. There was a guy singing over the loudspeaker, some, a, a hymn of some kind. He had a horrible voice. It was like, oh, I'm like, and I I turned to my son and I said, you know what? This is why the world hates us. They hate us for this. Because because so often, when people want to just go enjoy something or be a part of something, there's always some loon who represents Christianity, quote unquote, as calling himself a Christian and kind of just sours the whole thing. Now, I have a question for those of you, and maybe you think this is a great idea. If you do, give me a call at 602-368-3776. Maybe you think it is our moral obligation to stand there with a sign and a loudspeaker and make morons of ourselves. But let me ask you this question. Has it ever worked? Has it ever been effective? Do you know of one single person in your life or in the history of the world who has ever who has walked on onto the NFL experience with their wife or their kids and their little jerseys and stuff and they're all excited because they get to go do all the stuff in the in the convention center and they're and they're all excited and they hear this and they go oh huh I didn't know I think listen to this guy He's telling me to repent. You know what? Have you ever seen somebody in a baptistry when they ask the person, hey, you're about to get baptized. And tell us, how did you come to know the love of Jesus? Well, you know, it was the funniest thing. I went to the NFL experience and some guy was yelling at me with a sign. And I just said, wow, Jesus loves me. He died for my sins. This makes sense. And right then and there, I became a Christian. I've been in ministry for 20 years. I never heard of it. I never have. All I ever hear is, you guys are nutballs because you show up at places where people are trying to have a good time, and you just sour the whole experience, or at least make a mockery of Christianity. Andrew is on the line. Andrew, what's going on today, bud?
0: Hey, I just uh, wanted to ask you um, your opinion. How would you say that what they were doing at the... Super Bowl or the NFL experience is different than than what Jesus did in the, the New Testament when he was teaching to the crowds of people. What's really the difference there?
1: Well, Andrew, the difference is rather obvious. The difference is that people, when Jesus was walking among the crowds and he was teaching people, people were following him. They were crawling all over. They were cutting holes in the roof and dropping people in so they could be healed. They were, he had to go on a boat out in the lake so he could have enough distance so he could see all the people that wanted to hear from. People were attracted to him. He was not showing up at public events and screaming at people. He was the event. He was the main event. Why? Because what he had to say was attractive. Now, the only people it was unattractive to were the legalists, were the Pharisees, were the know-it-alls, were the people who thought they were right with God already. But those who looked at their lives and said, you know, I'm wounded, I'm hurting, I feel distant from God. I, I, I don't believe very well. Those are the people who were just ran after him who wanted a touch of Jesus so bad. And when we, when we have people who stand out there with signs and pickets and are yelling things and polluting the airwaves with ridiculous noise, it just makes us look bad. It just makes us look foolish. Does that answer your question, Andrew? Absolutely. Andrew, I appreciate the call. Thank you so much for calling 602-368-3776. So in First Peter 2.12, it says this Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when He judges the world. Is it, is it honorable to be confrontational? Is it honorable to, to be loud and obnoxious and creepy? The reason I bring this up more than anything else, because like I said, I wasn't even going to give it the time of day, but we just had the Super Bowl here. And it, I just it bothered me so much because here's this event. And yes, the Super Bowl for many people is, is an it's, it's an idol. I mean, people just they absolutely love it. They we have parties, hundreds of millions of people will watch this game and and of course, comment on it and, and everything else and, and talk about it. it. It's a central hub of culture in so many ways at this time of year. But why did why it was very telling to me that these guys were on the outside of all that? I mean, why couldn't they have done something different, like maybe handed out something or or uh, you know not even I mean handed out something cool like you know here's a free water here's a coke or whatever here's something for you to take with you because it's you know you're walking a lot and here's just a reminder that in the midst of all the football action don't forget who the real winner is it's jesus or whatever i mean even if it's kind of goofy like that but to stand in in confrontation guys it just never works and the saddest part is is that a lot with these guys they probably went home and they said, "You know what? I did a good thing tonight. I did. A, I stood in front of all those people and I yelled and screamed and had my sign. The cops had to stand there and waste their time holding me back and people were shouting mean things at me. I did a good thing." Can I tell you something? It's not good. It's not good. It's an embarrassment. That kind of tactic is an embarrassment to Christianity. I wish there had been a group of atheists out there with signs saying, turn to Carl Sagan. You know what I mean? Or Charles Darwin is our leader. I mean, that would have been awesome because I would have said, man, those atheists are whacked. And that would have been so cool to say, how come they never do that? How come it's us that do that? How come we are the ones that act like idiots like that? And I say we just because they claim to represent us. My friends who are believers in Jesus, that should bother you. Now, not to the point where you go tackle them or sack them or whatever. I mean, obviously, and I I was going to go over and ask them a question. Hey, has anyone ever responded to you and come to know Jesus? And I just didn't want to deal with it because I just get too, I just get like too all worked up and angry and stuff like that. So I just had to k- just keep on walking and I was kind of far away from them anyway, but I could hear them from a really long distance. But you guys, it's an embarrassment. I think God, when he looks down and sees that, I think he's embarrassed. I think he puts his, his hand over his face and says, oh, you guys, it's like a crazy uncle at Thanksgiving or something like that. It's like, man, this guy has the same last name as I, they this person represents me. And you just, you just cringe for those kinds of people. And I only say this to those of you who think, you know what? I know it's hard, but I guess those people are really godly. They are not. It's an ungodly and an unbiblical thing to do. Nowhere in the Bible does it say are we commanded to hold up picket signs and be jerks to people. And yell at them. Nowhere does does Paul never says that in the New Testament. If you really want to do the Lord's work, then yell at people in public and act ridiculous. No, what does he do? He says, work with your hands. Live a quiet life. Show up to work on time and leave on time when you're supposed to. Do what you say you're going to do. And because that is so rare, people will say, as it says in 1 Peter, They will see honorable behavior and they will give honor to God because they'll say, why in the world are you doing this? Well, because I'm not just simply working for you. I'm working for God. I'm working for God. And that really is the point of all that. So you have two options when it comes to, and again, we're talking about Life 360. The whole point of this show is to help you engage and be confident in what you believe to every in in every aspect of life so you see here today we had we had kind of a two opposite end of the spectrum one is friendly and in some sense, it's to ask a person a question they don't know the answer to is a little bit, you know, you might ruffle some feathers, but at least it's effective. You're getting somewhere. One is conversational. One is based on friendship. One is based on, I want to get to know you enough so we can have this conversation, and you're not going to think that I'm after you or think that I'm trying to judge you or, or think I'm just merely trying to convert you, but I'm actually trying to do what the Bible tells me to do and to love my neighbor as I love myself. So on the one side, you have that. And on the other side, you just, you have these guys that really give us a bad name. So don't ever for a second feel guilty for not doing that. Instead, you just got to pray that we get to the place in American society where people will look at those because there will always be a few just mentally whacked out, socially um, challenged people who will always do that, but the world will look at those people and go, you know what, that's not the real deal. Those guys are imposters. I know, I know a guy on the street who's a Christian. He would never do that. I know my buddy at work who's a believer in Jesus, and that's not their thing. They don't do that. That guy's a counterfeit. He's a fraud. He may mean well, but he doesn't represent us. That's the day I hope we can get to in our American society, but the only way it's going to work is if we love, but follow up our love by understanding what it is we really believe and having authentic relationships with people, which is why, again, you go to str.org, sign up on their um, mailing list to get resources from them and, and, and engage in this so that you can be someone who does. You know, I'll tell you, you want to talk about honorable guy and we, have, we all have three minutes left. Did you hear about this guy, the, the, uh, the Japanese man who was beheaded by ISIS just a couple of days ago? I did not hear this. I didn't know this until I read this last night, that he was a Christian and that they say, oh, he's a thrill seeker, everything else, that he went from Japan into Syria so that he could bring hope and he could bring light and encouragement to the people that were suffering in Syria. And he gave his life for it. You know why? Because that's what Christians, that's what honorable Christians do. That's what they do. And if, if they, they live for Jesus, and if need be, they die for him. They, if that's what it takes. I was, I was shocked by this. See, I look at that. I, I contrast that with the, the crazies I saw the other night, and I think about this Japanese man who gave his life who gave his life because he just wanted to serve and love people. And he found himself in a terrible place, but the motives were good. I want to thank you so much for listening to the show, and I want to remind you to please go to our Facebook page, Life 360 with Tim Jacobs, and like it. I also want to thank my producer, Mark, here in the studio, who always does such a tremendous job. Go over to timjacobslive.com and download all of the previous shows and send me a note at tim jacobs or tim at compasschurchaz.com come visit us at compass church sometime and i would love to to uh, to meet you thank you so much for joining me today on life 360 with tim jacobs and until next tuesday be bold be brave and live life the way jesus intended you to live it to the full see you next week i'm tim jacobs